please join me in the call to worship. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through the blood of his cross.
God's love has been poured into our hearts through the gift of the Holy Spirit. The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God's throne with confidence. Confident in God's grace, let us confess our sins together. God of mercy, in Jesus Christ, you have brought light into the darkness. But we confess that we have chosen to remain in the darkness where we have made our home. You would give us life, but we have grown accustomed to death. You would give us love, but we have nurtured resentment too long. You would give us hope but we are afraid hope will disappoint us once again. Forgive us, O God. Forgive us for being afraid of your salvation. Through the risen Savior, we pray. Amen. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let us share the peace of Christ with one another. Please be seated. Well, let's see if we can still remember. Christ is risen. Christ is risen All right. Some of you came to church last week. That's fantastic. Well, special welcome to all of you here today. Whether you were here last week or not, we are so glad that you are worshiping with us on this glorious Lord's Day as we continue the Easter season and celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. Uh, special welcome to any of you who happen to be visiting with us today, or, or maybe if you came to church last week and you've come back. I told you we did this every week. See? Nobody believes me. Um, it's great that you're here. We're so thrilled. Special welcome to any of you who happen to be joining us online today, also wherever you happen to be. Uh, we are really glad that you are with us. If at some point you take the, the pew pads that are located near the center of the aisle 
fill those out and pass those down to one another so that we might know that you are worshiping with us today. And I hope at the end of the service, maybe you'll take the opportunity to, to greet whoever's sitting next to you and you know, check out their name in the, in the pew pad if you don't already know it and then say hello and greet one another uh, so that we might welcome each other as members of the household of God together. Uh, just a couple of uh, announcements for you. One, our lunch bunch is getting together again this Tuesday to go have lunch uh, at the Ironwood Kitchen in Homewood. Uh, anybody is welcome to come and join us. Uh, it's going to be 1130, and uh, all you need to do is just go on and sign up on the church's website so we know how many places to reserve. Everyone just pays their own way, uh, so anyone is able to come. So we hope you'll join us on Tuesday for the lunch bunch. Uh, also, there's a couple of fundraising events happening with organizations connected to the church I just wanted you to be aware of. Uh, on Thursday evening, uh, Kirkwood by the River uh, is going to be having a special 40th anniversary fundraiser dinner at 6 o'clock. Uh, you can go on the church website and sign up to buy a ticket to be a part of that if you would like. And also, uh, the First Light uh, mission that we support uh, for women and children, uh, there's going to be a virtual gala taking place on Thursday evening at 6.30. Again, you can go sign up on the website if you'd like to take part in that uh, fundraising event as well. Also, on Friday, May 13th, we're going to be having a special marriage seminar event uh, here at the church. It will take place from 5.30 until 8.30. Uh, again, you can go on the church website and sign up to be a part of this special marriage event. Uh, we hope that a lot of our couples will come and be a part of this and, and uh, help us to grow a little bit more in our relationships with one another and with God. Uh, again, you can sign up on the website uh, or through the weekly email. A lot of this stuff comes on the weekly email. If you're getting those, you can click right from there and go straight to the sign up. It's $20 per couple, and it includes dinner. Uh, so we hope to see you on Friday, May 13th. Uh, and now, at this time, we have the very special privilege um, of recognizing our, our seniors and, and, and the senior acolytes. And so I would like to invite Cami uh, Ashworth and Grace Daniels up uh, for that special moment. Today we have the privilege of recognizing our seniors and our senior acolytes. The word acolyte is from an ancient Greek word that means attendant or follower. The light symbolizes the light of the world and reminds us that God is here with us each time we gather for worship. When they relight the torch before extinguishing the flames and then exiting with the torch lit, they remind us that as we scatter into the world, God will be there with us. Our acolytes play an important role in worship each week and serve as leaders in our congregation. Today, we recognize the many years of faithful service our acolytes have given. If you are a senior who has served as an acolyte, please stand to be recognized. We would like to also offer a special word of thanks to our acolyte captains, Hattie Donovan, Ivy Cobbs, and Peter Ray. Thank you for your wonderful years of service. We really appreciate that all that you do to lead our congregation in worship each week. Today, our acolytes will be receiving a replica of the cross that they wear each Sunday as they acolyte as a token of our gratitude and a reminder of your years of service at IPC. Acolytes, you may be seated. And now to all of our seniors. Can you believe it? I'm sure that many of you have sat through previous Senior Sundays wondering and thinking about the day that it would be your turn to be seated up here as a senior. 
Over the years at IPC, many of you have waved palms during the palm parade, hunted Easter eggs, and made Bible times bread in tents at the Children's Fresh Air Farm. As a group, we've created deep bonds at Montreat, shared laughter at lock-ins, and gathered in worship around campfires at retreats. We've even asked hard questions and pondered our faith and thought deeply in Bible studies together. We hold these memories near, and we cherish the highs and the lows that we've experienced in our community. I know I speak for every youth director you've had along the way when I say that we are so proud of the people that y'all have blossomed into. We present these Bibles to you today, and we pray that these stories will sustain you, encourage you, inspire you, and transform you, and accompany you wherever you may go. Seniors, take a second and look around you. This is your church family. These are the people who have loved and nurtured and supported you in your faith. And just as your parents' love and support always goes with you, the church's promise made to you during your baptism will never end. No matter how far you go, no matter how long you are away, you will always have a home here at IPC. We love you, and we are cheering you on in your next adventure. Seniors, as we call your name, please come forward um, to receive your Bible and then remain standing during our prayer. William Bibb Albright. Caroline Grace Allen. Drury Law Anderson. Adrian Elizabeth Belser. Amelia Hayes Brown. Ivy Elizabeth Cobbs. Hattie Brooke Donovan. Eleanor McLean Elkis. Thomas Christian Fisher. Lucy Bankston Garner. Ellie Strickland Ingram. James Christian Long. Christopher Peter Ray. Mary Chandler Robinette. Logan Neely Snyder. Madeline Faye Stevens. Sola Thompson. Hardwick Path Parks Walthall. Sorry, Parks. Lily Kate Walthall. Congratulations, seniors. We are so proud of you. Please join me in prayer. God, we come before you today in awe and wonder of these seniors. We give thanks for all the ways that they have uplifted this church with their love and light and talent throughout the years. We give thanks that you entrusted us to be our, their church family and to nurture them in their faith. And now with overflowing hearts full of both memories and great anticipation, we ask that you guide, direct, and protect them as they depart to all the places that we know you have prepared before them. May they always remember who they are and whose they are. 
We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Let us pray. Take our meager words and give them meaning, O God. Take our hard hearts and hold them open. Take our ears and fill them up with your truth. Come, Holy Spirit, come, whether we are ready or not. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our first lesson today comes from the book of Job, chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and with a lead, they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
before I read the scripture, I just want to say a quick word to the acolytes and just say my own word of thanks to you. I know it is often a thankless job, and you often only hear about what you do when things don't go perfectly. But your service is greatly appreciated. Thank you for all that you've done. Our scripture today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, and chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this. For these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, last week we celebrated with great joy the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is dead but now lives forevermore. And because he lives, when life is not as we had hoped, when tragedy strikes, when disappointment occurs, when we have to go through any kind of death-like experience, we know that there will always be another chapter to be written. According to scripture, however, eventually there will be a final chapter in the story. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. We pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It is only natural at Easter time, when we celebrate the resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ, that we begin to 
ponder what will happen when the final chapter in our earthly story is complete and life as we know it comes to an end. Will we go to heaven or will we go to that other place, Detroit? And if we do make it to heaven, what will it be like? And what will we be like? I mean, what exactly is a resurrected body? Will we recognize one another? Will we still enjoy the same things we do now? And what if we're cremated? Can God resurrect a cremated body? And what about the rest of creation? I mean, Scripture tells us that it's going to undergo its own transformation. And all of this is somehow connected to Christ's return. But when will that happen? And what will it look like when he does come? Will we all get zapped away to some utopia in the sky? In other words, what happens at the end of the story? Well, if you've ever wrestled with any of these questions, know that you are in very good company. For ever since the earliest days of the church, Christians have struggled with all of these questions and so many more. And now let me just say right off the bat, I do not have the answer to all of these questions. After all, having never, never been dead and resurrected myself, I'm operating on a little bit of a handicap here. And the truth is, Scripture does not tell us everything we'd like to know. And of course, that drives us nuts. So in our desperation for certainty, we tend to go looking for answers wherever we can find them whether it be stories told by people who've had near-death experiences, none of whom actually died, or people who've claimed to have deciphered a secret code in Scripture that gives us the detailed plan of everything that's going to happen in the future and when and how. Well, we tend to eat it all up. One thing the Bible makes very clear is that there are some things we are not supposed to know, at least not right now. When the end is coming is one of those things. I mean, Jesus even said that he himself did not know that information, nor did the angels. Only the Father knows. And before his ascension, the risen Christ told his disciples that that kind of information was not for them to know. Which means we shouldn't waste our precious time and energy trying to figure it out, at least not if we want to be obedient to Jesus. Of course, that hasn't stopped plenty of people from trying. Ever since Jesus left, people have been trying to figure out when he's going to return and what will happen when he does. And whenever Christians have wondered about these things, they have most often turned to the book of Revelation, which is easily the most misunderstood and misused book in all of Scripture. It's full of very strange and sometimes even frightening visions that most of us have absolutely no idea what to do with. Now, when it comes to the book of Revelation, there are generally two kinds of people. There are those who really love the book of Revelation. And then there are those who are very afraid of those who really love the book of Revelation. But be very sure Everything that Revelation tells us about the future is intended to shape 
and influence the way we live in the present. See, Revelation was written to the early church in a very difficult time when many of them were undergoing an enormous amount of pressure, if not persecution, to abandon their radical allegiance to Jesus and salute the flag of the empire instead. A pressure that is still very much alive and well in our culture, though it is often a lot more subtle and therefore also a lot more seductive. But part of the purpose of this book was to help these people to, to, to live with more faithfulness and courage and to have hope for a, a better future that awaited them along with the sense of already participating in that hoped-for future through their faithfulness and obedience. Revelation was not written to give us a detailed blueprint of literal historical events in the future. After all, if that was its goal, then it served absolutely no purpose to the very people to whom it was written, or anyone else for the last 2,000 years. And on top of that, of all the countless predictions that have been made based on Revelation, there has been a 100% failure rate. If this book was written so that we might know exactly what is coming and when, it is a colossal, epic failure. Rather, through a kaleidoscope of images and metaphors, Revelation presents an almost overwhelming motion picture of God's decisive victory over everything that stands against him and his purposes for humanity and creation, a victory that was achieved through the death and the resurrection of the Lamb of God, who was dead but now lives and reigns forevermore as Lord of heaven and earth. And even though the forces of evil and the powers of darkness still fight back against us, because of the resurrection, we know that their defeat is certain and that God's ultimate purposes for us are assured. This is what we see in the final chapters of Revelation. Though it's not what a lot of people might think. partly because of the popularity of end times writings, especially the left-behind novels that espouse a theological system called dispensationalism that was created in the 1800s, many people believe there's going to be a rapture where the believers are zapped away to some other place while the rest of earth gets a giant spanking. But there is no rapture in Revelation. In fact, the word itself doesn't even appear in Scripture. Now what the Bible tells us happens at the end is not us being taken up away to heaven, but heaven coming down to us. Listen again to the words of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. This is the way our story ends. With God coming to be with us in a union of heaven and earth. Just as when God came to us the first time, and heaven and earth were joined together in the person of the incarnate Son. So, when the victorious Christ returns, he's bringing heaven with him once again, this time making that union complete for all of creation. And death, our, our final enemy, will be no more. Suffering and, and pain will cease. And every tear that we have shed because of our grief and our pain and our loneliness and our disappointment and our fear will be gently wiped away by the tender hand of our Heavenly Father Himself as He welcomes us into eternity. Of course, eternity is a very difficult concept for most of us to grasp. But we tend to think about it as just time without end, which frankly doesn't sound all that appealing. And yet time as we know it is a part of this creation. I mean, who knows how we will experience time in the new creation. And when the Bible talks about eternal life, which is generally just another word for heaven, it talks more in terms of everlasting relationships than simply time without end. We are in, in perfect communion with God and all the saints. Strife and, and, and discord will cease to exist. Racism and nationalism will be no more. Instead, we will be one people living in joyful fellowship and worship, diving deeper and deeper into the river of God's healing love and grace. And somehow, I don't think we'll notice the time. Just a few days before Easter, one of our dearest friends from Swickley, Mark Gensheimer, sent me a text message reminding me of an Easter Sunday a few years ago when they had our family over to their house for lunch after worship. It was a glorious afternoon of, of delicious food and spectacular wine and wonderful conversation as, as we talked about our, our lives and our families and our church and all the exciting things that were happening there. At some point, someone looked at the clock, and to all of our surprise, six hours had passed. I mean, it seemed as if it was no time at all. We were having such a wonderful time of fellowship and communion that time almost ceased to exist. You know, I suspect that 
Heaven is kind of like that. And I actually believe that we did see a little glimpse of heaven that day. Haven't you ever had moments like that in your life when it seemed as if heaven had broken in right there in your midst? Maybe it was, was at the birth of a baby or catching up with an old friend or, or, or at a family reunion or even burying a loved one. Maybe it was during a Bible study or when you were on a mission trip or even during worship one Sunday morning. Heck, I'm fairly certain that heaven broke into our church last Sunday. Did anybody else see it? And even though the new Jerusalem has not yet fully come down and joined with this world as Revelation assures us one day it will, we can begin to experience it even now on earth as it is in heaven. Because of Christ's victory over sin and death, our promised future is already breaking into the present for those who have eyes to see. And we who know the truth about God's coming kingdom have been summoned to bear witness to it in our lives through our faithfulness and obedience to Christ. In fact, according to Revelation, we actually participate in ushering that kingdom in when we live as citizens of the new Jerusalem, which is our true homeland and where Christ has prepared a place for us. Because we know how the story ends, we can begin to live according to its reality here and now, rather than according to the false reality of the dying world around us, which insists that this life is all there is, and whoever dies with the most toys wins. Imagine for a moment that you are an athlete, and you are playing in the game of your life. But in the first half, things are not going very well. There have been some injuries and some disastrous plays. Some players were even taken out of the game, and you were losing badly. But what if somehow, in the middle of the game, you learned how the game was going to end? What if you discovered that even though things were looking incredibly hopeless at the moment, that you were actually going to win that game handily and that victory was assured. Wouldn't it change the way you played the rest of the game? Now, wouldn't it take away all your fear and discouragement? Wouldn't you play with a lot less restraint and a lot more enthusiasm and hopefulness and anticipation and joy? That's what Revelation's vision of heaven is all about. It's intended to help us to live with more faithfulness and courage and joy today. For if you knew the way your story would end, wouldn't it change the way you spent your time and your money and your talents? But we do know how things turn out in the end, and it's wonderful. There's nothing you can do to make it any better. And you and I have been invited to participate in that reality right here and now. 
For the kingdom of heaven is already breaking into the present through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we who know him and who believe in the resurrection and in Christ's great victory over sin and death are able to go through this life very differently from the rest of the world. For when you know how the story ends, you can make decisions far more easily because you know that those choices are rarely ultimate. You can stop trying to be your own savior or anyone else's because you know that Christ has already won the battle. You can laugh a lot more easily and love a lot more freely. You can live with a lot less caution and a lot more hope. And you can be far more generous because you know that the best thing you could possibly do with your resources is to help the rest of this world to see what the new Jerusalem is like so that more people might begin to live according to its reality and experience the blessings of heaven right here in the present. But be very sure, how you view the end of your story will determine everything about how you live your life today. And I'm here to tell you, because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, your story ends great. So do not be afraid, because heaven is on its way.
And now let us express our unity with the Church of all ages by professing our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now with gladness, let us present the fruits of our life and labor to the Lord. Giving God, as spring bursts forth its blossoms in witness to your love, you bless us from generation to generation with the new life of Easter faith. All that we have, all that we are, come from you, O God. So we gladly share this offering, that others too may be blessed for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.
Will you pray with me? Eternal God, our Alpha and Omega, our beginning and our end, we've gathered in this time and at this place to worship you. In your time, you created all things in galaxies beyond our imagining, infinities beyond what we are only beginning to understand of time and matter and space. Your word is still creating, calling us to life made new. Through you, O God, there is new life happening in us and around us each day. We give you thanks this morning for those places where we have experienced that gift of new life, a child born, a baptism celebrated, a marriage blessed, a heart changed, a friendship formed, a job found, a faith renewed, an openness to another, a clearer way forward, a sense of peace when the way is not yet clear, an unexpected grace. In your mercy, you continue to call us into places of newness. You enable us to imagine, hope in, and create better worlds. You make artists of us all, awakening the dream of a world made new, revealing a vision of a future already in being. You've given us a vision of a day when present and future enfold together, becoming one path. A day when the heavens and earth will be new again. A day when the sound of weeping will give way to delight. A day when all creation will live in peace and people will long enjoy the fruits of their labors. Help us to hold to that vision when the temples about us are falling and our world is shaken. You promise us a future where your home will be among your people and that you will dwell with us. And so we pray for those who are lonely, those who are homeless either physically or spiritually. Oh God, make all things new. You promise us a future where you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And so we pray for those who are crying the sad, the depressed, and the anxious. Oh God, make all things new. You promise us a future where death and mourning will be no more. And so we pray for those who are experiencing the consequences of death, those whose hearts grieve the loss of a loved one, and those needing comfort and reassurance in the face of death. Oh God, make all things new. You promise us a future where crying and pain will be no more. And so we pray for those who are in pain, suffering from illness, either physical or mental, for friends and loved ones tested by unexpected illness, for those who await news amidst the uncertainty of test results, those who await healing amidst upcoming surgery. Oh God, make all things new. 
promised us a future where you will give water to the thirsty without cost from the spring of the water of life. And so we pray for those who are thirsty for truth, love, and grace, the poor, the marginalized, the exploited, and the hungry. Oh God, make all things new. You promise a future where the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. And so we pray for those nations that are gridlocked in war and violence, for the chess game of political powers and for those innocent citizens caught in the middle. Oh God, make all things new. Keep alive in us the longing to work for a world where the inequalities of the human condition no longer exist. Keep alive in us the hope that groans for your better, fairer world, the hope of heaven breaking in our midst. Perhaps no other people embody that hope quite like the youth of this church. There's hope because our youth are both the present and the future of this world. They stand on that threshold between childhood and adult, work and play, already and not yet. And on this day, we especially give you thanks for those acolytes who have answered your call to light the way for your people in this world of change and uncertainty. Grant them reverent hearts, steady hands, and the will to persevere in service at your table in your house. Bless and guide them by your wisdom and help them to spread your word throughout the world. We give you thanks for those seniors in high school as they step out into independence and they take with them the love of those who cared for them, the guidance of those with wisdom to offer them, the eagerness and enthusiasm of youth the lessons they've been taught, and those they've experienced for themselves, and the willingness to learn that life is unpredictable, but that God can always be trusted, whatever happens. God, your word is still creating, calling us to life made new. Help us to live like it is trustworthy and true. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all beginnings and endings, the one who came to make all things new, now joining voices in words that he taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and his kingdom is already breaking into this world. That is all you need to know to live faithfully and joyfully today. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.